This is Alpha Geek Radio. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. I mean, did you see me laughing the entire time? Because yes. I was like, I'm, I'm going to piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. I don't like this place. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. For Wednesday, November 8th, 2017, this is Casually Hardcore. I'm your host, Grail. I'm Vindy. And I'm Daxa. And we are back to talk to your ear holes about stuff. And the stuff we're going to be talking about today is horror games in honor of Halloween that just went by. Uh, and the fact that uh, Evil Within 2 just came out and, you know, all the stuff around there. We wanted to kind of dive into the horror genre and really kind of break down, like, what actually makes up a horror game anymore. And... What's our take on it? And which ones really get to us, us individually the worst? Also, we're going to be talking about the recent news that Disney made a bid to try to buy out uh, 21 Century Fox, which has some big implications for anybody that's into geeky stuff because that's pretty much, other than maybe Warner Brothers, the only other major company out there that has a lot of the properties that uh, we're fans of, which includes things like X-Men and, God, Futurama, uh, Buffy. Like, a lot of stuff resides in Fox. And the fact that Disney's looking to possibly buy them out and why they might even be looking to do this, because uh, it may not be for the reason you think, which would be to create a complete Marvel Cinematic Universe. So those will be our topics on today's show. So first off, we're going to dive in on the horror topic. Yeah, so I was reading, I went on to the Googles and I looked at, you know, some top, the top rated horror games. And I was like, I love horror games. I play them all the time. Two of the games that I've played were actually in the top rated horror games. Oh, so the Evil Within and Resident and Resident Evil. That's it. Those are the only games that were on the on a lot of the lists for the top horror games. So apparently, I don't play horror games. The top horror li- games of all time, or like um, most recent ones. Well, there was different lists. There was the top horror games on PC, the um, top horror games of all time, top mm. horror games period. So there was. I just went through a lot and a lot of lists, and a lot of the games that I played aren't actually on there. I think that the big, you know, when we got the chance at PAX to see The Evil Within 2, that's what we waited forever for, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was great, and I enjoyed that, but it was definitely a different horror experience than a lot of the other games that I'm used to. I guess I'm not, I, I enjoyed part of it. I enjoyed more of the the kind of psychological horror of it, but that like running away from those things that are chasing you (laughs) and like quick time events in horror games and me just don't, we don't, we're not friends. It's, (laughs) it's so difficult because I panic. I'm the panicker, the one that drops the controller and like freaks out and needs to, (laughs) 
take a moment to walk away. Which is funny that you say that because you actually were, when we played The Evil Within, which was the longest um, <laughs> game ever Wait time, yeah, for, uh, you know, for just like a quick game that you're supposed to give somebody a taste for. But when we played it, you were ahead of me through a, through a chunk there because I kept trying to fight this thing and you just <laughs> ran away from it. I, I mean, did you see me laughing the entire time? Because yes. I was like, I, I'm going to piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Like, oh, this is exactly no. what I was afraid of, like, the entire time. I was just, like, <laughs> laughing at it. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I was quite scared. We got into that, like, really dark room. And then, like, the first room that the demo put us in, it's actually a room that appears early on in the game. I've watched some playthroughs of it where there's a lot of, like, bodies hanging from the ceiling and they're covered in, like, tarps. Um, and it was, in my opinion, it's like a very Silent Hill-esque feel room. And I was immediately like, I made the wrong fucking choice. This is not, I'm, I'm so in trouble here. Um, and that's actually the way the first um, Evil Within begins, too. So I yeah. guess it was an homage to that. We're going to start you off in the same spot. Yeah, I mean, the second we were in that room, that combined with the, the monster chasing us afterwards, I was that's why I was laughing, because I was like, what the hell did I just waste three hours of my life? To be here, like <laughs> these are the decisions that I've made. Uh, but I mean, I think that type of horror game is a very different. It's a different type of horror game. Just like Five Nights at Freddy's is a very different experience than The Evil Within. Right. Like, sure. I mean, Five Nights at Freddy. I haven't played it, but I've seen videos of it. It seems like that one is is tension and jump scares. It's just jump scares. But the yeah. funny part about it is, is I went through a phase where I was really into it because okay. I'm really into horror games. The uh, yeah, you don't like to play has... them? <laughs> <laughs> Ignore really my first really five minutes of well, commentary. I, <laughs> I like certain parts of them. But for things like Five Nights at Freddy's, is there's a lot of auditory cues. And the second that you get the auditory cues down, the, there's, there's no more jump scares. Uh. Because you know exactly what's going to happen. Gotcha. So... Mm. So I think that's a really funny game to get people to just play. Like yeah. if they're interested in playing a game, it's hilarious. Yeah. Just to be like, whoa, my God. Yeah. And that's, you know, like looking uh, kind of evil within, especially because when you got the first one, I wasn't sure really what type of genre they were going for. And then I had played the, the or watched Daxa play the intro level where it was very much, God, was that game? Amnesia, where you're <laughs> running away, like you have no weapons, you're just running. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's that type of game. And then later, Daxa had enlisted uh, Aridin to play for her. and Because, first of all, <laughs> that game... I thought it was such a cool game at PAX, and I was like, oh my god, this looks like my type of thing. And then it was it became too much. Yeah. You know, it was one of those games where you walk in, and I like psychological thrillers. I like for them to really scare me. And you walk into this room, and there's all these bodies, and then it, it became like too much. Like there was a pool of chunks of blood and bodies, and then it's like, okay, really, does it have to be a pool? And then instead of like one lone, you know, wheelchair off in the corner like trying to scare you there was like 30 wheelchairs it was just they i thought they overdid it and i couldn't get past this one part and i'm like erdin you have to get me past this one part but i don't think i'm gonna play this game anymore 
And then he came and played it. Yeah, he plays it, and then you get past that, and suddenly it becomes... A really good game. Well, it becomes Resident Evil, is what it, I felt like. It became, you have weapons, you can kill the things that are there, and it was more of the resource management that Resident Evil puts you through mm-hmm. in terms of your ammo and you know making sure your shots count. Which, you know, again, Resident Evil is also a series that started off, the first Resident Evil had a lot of horror to it. By the time you get to the later Resident Evil, it's become more of an action game. It's I don't know. completely gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, except except for this maybe, most recent right, one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Biohazard possibly has yeah. brought it back, at least from the little bits I've seen. But it's, you know, series, it's kind of weird that, you, you know, it definitely rides that edge between is it an action game or is it a horror game? And I think mm-hmm. Evil Within, once you get past the first part, suddenly became not that scary of a game anymore. It just became a it, good game. It was scary as far as uh, in your head because there was a lot going on that you didn't, you kind of understood, but you kind of didn't. So you were you were always in this place where you're not sure what's happening. You think you know, but you're not sure if you really, really know. So I think that that's what I liked about it. It kind of kept you in that, I'm not sure what's going on here. So you kept wanting to play it to figure out what was happening. Um, so I liked it for that particular reason. But um, once Aridan started playing it, he wouldn't let go of the controller. <laughs> he yeah. just kept playing. I haven't, I, you know, I think I told you guys about how I started to play the first one, both between me and Ethan. We started to play it and it was just so boring. Like the beginning was just so slow. And I've heard this from multiple people that the beginning is so different yes. from the rest of the game. Yeah. And it was such a disappointment to, I guess a lot of people had this where they just completely like got turned off by it in the beginning. And so at least in, you know, Dax's case, like you had somebody else to play for a little bit after that part, after being burnt out of the slow part, we, we bailed ship. Yeah. Well, and I think in my, my persistence was that when I saw the demo at PAX, the demo portion of it. I hadn't played it in that beginning portion and the demos what caught me. Right. So that's what I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to play this game, that little demo. And it was like a, th- you know, five minute demo it wasn't a long demo. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get to at least that part. So I could say if I get, got past the demo demo portion and it was still boring, then I would stop. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where I was at is I wanted to get past that portion. And that's actually where you start sneaking around and you have to hide in things. And so then it got a lot better. Yeah. That sounds very amnesia, like sneaking around and hiding rather than fighting. Right. Exactly. That's that whole game. Like there is no real fighting Mm -hmm. in amnesia, uh, either one or two. And I, as I understand it, Soma is in the same vein as well. Oh yeah. I could talk for hours about Soma. If you guys have either of you played that game? I have not. Not Mm -mm. played it. Haven't watched. I've heard, I've read people's, reviews or at least recommendations for it saying it's a great game so i purposely have not watched anything because i want to actually play it at some point if uh daxa if you like psychological horrors then you need to play this game that's the one huh it's oh my gosh i'm super into psychological thrillers slash horror and the games that play mind games with you a little bit and make you question what's going on what's real um, this game is like the complete culmination of it. There is, like um, Grail said, there's no fighting, not that I can recall, in it. And there's a lot of exploring aspects of it, like um, those games where you go around and you can interact with certain things to learn the story. Mm-hmm. Um, at a few points, there's a 
a kind of like a monster that's like wandering around and you have to avoid, you know, being seen or something very like standard fare. Mm-hmm. Right. Nothing, nothing super crazy. Um, but it's the plot. Uh, it's, I'll try to give a, a brief overview. It's without like spoiling anything. It's, you start out and you're a guy and I think he has something's wrong with him. I think, I think he's got like a disease or something and he goes to this new experimental thing where they essentially scan your, your brain. They scan your consciousness Mm -hmm. and they catalog your consciousness. So essentially you exist in two places. You exist, you know, the person that walked in to be scanned and the person that's quote unquote hibernating in a file on the shelf. So he goes and does that. And the second he goes and does that, he wakes up in this, like, underwater, like, super techno-advanced, like, creepy-ass, kind of almost Bioshocky-esque world. Mm. So the whole thing is, like, what happened? Where am I? What's going on? Um, And it is a question on what makes you, you. Right. What if you're, are you your consciousness or is the original you, you, what happens if, you know, your consciousness got copied? What's, what's the difference between the two of them? Which one's the real one? And are you a different person based on your different experiences? Exactly. Got it. I love that stuff. It's amazing. The end will blow your fucking mind. It's great. I can't rave enough about it. Um, I really want to get Ethan to sit down and play it with me, but he's still... He's still resisting. Uh, Yeah, yeah, just duct tape him or something. I know, right? This point. Yeah, clockwork orange him into a chair. That's right. (laughs) Take those eyelids open. So, yeah, on a slight tangent on that, then, since uh, you brought up the the story of Soma. So, if you guys ever have a chance on Netflix, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a series of, of short, kind of not movies, but episodes for Black Mirror is the name of it. It's I'm pretty sure it's something produced in the UK, but they have all these kind of one-shot stories. They're all really good except the first episode of the first season. Like, just <laughs> skip that one. It's terrible. Uh, I hate when people say that because I can never skip it. There's no... Yeah. There's only a few... There's nothing that really... They're not connected. There's only a few things that are like through lines in terms of okay. Well, you can I mean you can watch it. It's just for me that was one where I was just like ugh, and then I'm like I don't know if I want to keep watching this, but I'll try another episode. And thankfully the second episode was great. But there, anyways, the point of the story though is there's an episode that literally deals with that, with the ability to copy your consciousness and what you could do with that technology and how it could you know the potential problems that could cause as well yeah i I would definitely i have not seen black mirror but i have heard great things about it yeah and it's just another like in the pile yeah Yeah. i know (laughs) i mean funny enough like like my favorite episode of it won an emmy last year though for that wow that was pretty cool wow is it like a popular episode like do a lot of people well i I don't know i actually never researched it much though funny i have like since watching it i've seen references to black mirror in a few other shows that i've watched where they go whoa going in this house it looks very black mirror i'm like oh my god yeah it does (laughs) because they have very unique sets and stuff so anyways worth your time but yeah in terms of psychological and what you're talking about soma deals with that's uh right up that alley 
Uh, but yeah, definitely a game I want to sit and play play through. Uh, it looks really, really good. I want you guys to start playing Soma so we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Edith doesn't want to hear me talk about it, but I can't stop. Like I love that game. Yeah, and like we tried playing. What was it? Out Outcast. Outlast. Outlast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a very different. Yeah. Game. Like I don't know. We were playing it, and maybe it's because when you're playing it with somebody else, it doesn't. It's not as scary. Maybe. I was just kind of like, all right, we're wandering around this asylum. Okay, yeah, you're kind of freaky. Whatever. I'm gonna go on. Like it didn't. Yeah. Nothing really bothered me, at least for the part we did. But we didn't play that far. I don't know though, because when when I played um, Evil Within with Aridin. Yeah. I was still pretty. Oh, you were it was scared? still scary. Okay, that's I mean, good. not like super scared, but it was yeah. still scary. Well, maybe it was just we were more into it. Like well, I, we also had the lights off. Yeah, and, you know, we set the mood. Yeah, so you got to set the mood. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's how I played Outlast the first time. Like lights completely off, oh, going wow. into it completely blind, and thank God somebody else was playing, but I could only handle like an hour or so of oh, it. Were you like Did, watching a playthrough? Yeah, well, I was, I mean, my friend was playing it right next to me. Gotcha, gotcha. So I just, I couldn't, I would not be able to. Did you guys play the original one or did you play Whistleblower? It was the original, uh, but I have Whistleblower as well. Honestly, I think Whistleblower is probably the most disgusting game I've ever seen. Really? Uh. Like Saw, sort of disgusting. Yeah. I mean, like, it's great. It's scary. Yeah. That's for sure. Like, it's it's disturbing and scary. Um, the way that they did the stories, for they're both connected. Do you, the, the whistleblower is the story of the whistleblower, whereas in normal Outlast, you were the reporter. Right. So the whistleblower is the guy that sent the message that to the reporter. To right, right. Okay. So that's really cool. Yeah. Like, how they did that. Yeah. Um, but, wow. Some of the <laughs> scenes. Wow. Um, I mean, they're just like mouth on the floor. Like, I cannot believe I'm watching this sort of disgusting. So I'll have to give that another go at some point. (laughs) But yeah, Soma seems a little more interesting to me. So, yeah. So I know I've mentioned this. uh, Dax already knows this, but. For me, my most terrifying game <laughs> is Stupid Dying Light. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And it should be. It's, it's so funny. Like during the day, it's a zombie game. For those that don't know, it's a semi-open world zombie game where you run around. It's by the creators of the original Dead Island. Really, which uh, I played the Living Daylight. Yeah, game. which they, and they really yeah. refined a lot of their systems. It still has some of the same carryovers of the way weapons work and stuff, but like the action's very crisp. You can now like hardcore park around the place and do stuff and during the day it's like I mean you're drop kicking zombies like it's silly like there's there shouldn't be any issue but then it turns to night and basically every zombie becomes super buff like there is just no you have no chance so it becomes this total stealth game of trying to get back alive to a place and as soon as they hear you they let out this huge scream and then you're running and it's really dark because you can't turn on any lights because if you do then the zombies just hone in on you immediately so you're running blind in the dark with these mad murderous zombies after you and you're basically all your weapons everything don't mean jack and that's like just uh, i've had a couple times where i'm like i I can't take this this is (laughs) this isn't this is too stressful to be a fun activity it's so funny (laughs) well i didn't i mean that's like such a different game to be yeah is it because they're chasing you and like 
Like if, if they get you, you die. Like your yeah, that's like what you're gets you? dead. Like I, I think it's 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 two things. One, obviously, from a progress standpoint, yeah, you really don't want to die because then you're going to get reset and you'll lose uh, maybe some of the stuff you've accomplished. But I think more from a psychological level, for me, it's the fact you they they give you power and then they take it away yeah and Aww. it's that lack it's like being you know pretty much the zombie man during the day where you're like whatever there's like 20 zombies over there i'm just gonna mow into them to being like oh my god there's one zombie there i'm screwed if that thing sees me it's such a, a you know night and day difference mm-hmm. but a bump ha ha so, yeah, <laughs> to me, it's that any game that does a good job of giving you power and then taking it away, to me, has a horror element to it. Even if it's not a horror game in itself, I think that alone is is, is scary because, you know, I think it's a human nature type thing. Where, yeah, once you have something and yeah, it's taken away, yeah. it's it's definitely not, it's tough. not pleasant. But so do those I, games where they, like, take your weapons from you, like, mid-game, do that, does that get you? No, a not lot of- as much. I mean, and I guess like like Destiny Two is a good example. Like you start off, you're like, oh, I'm the guardian. I'm doing so much ass kicking, and then they, you know, they come down, they suck up your light, and now you're not a guardian. You do the slow walk of sadness to the, <laughs> forever. Yeah, yeah. like that <laughs> didn't get me from a horror standpoint. Like a lot of games use that trope of like, here's what you're gonna be. It's gonna be cool, and then let's reset you down to base power level, and now you got. You know, that's what you're going to level up towards. That doesn't bother me. I think it's the mid game, like, and I would say, like, Bioshock. Um, yeah, what, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. I think Bioshock did it at one point, and like the new Resident Evil does it at one point. Yeah. Like, in the middle of the game, in just a level, you have to just give everything that you've collected to a box. Right. Right. Essentially. And I think that's, that's scary. I think Bioshock took it the step further where you also lost control of your character for a bit. Mm-hmm. And so that was, you know, I think that has a, a horror element then to mm-hmm. it. Bioshock in general, I think you could argue, has horror elements in there. It's, I agree. And the funny thing is it wasn't in any of the lists. No. Not a single one. Because I think in general it's not considered a horror game. It's still considered action more than horror, even though there's a lot of horrific stuff in it. Yeah. And it, the not only, obviously there's a lot of horrific people and blood and, and weapons and all that, but there's also the the mindset is yeah. a little bit off too in Bioshock, which is what made such a great story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and like Silent Hill is often rated as one of the best. Really high. I've I only played a little of it. I've never been a of big which fan. one? Any uh, Silent Hill. First one and second one, I think. I played Silent Hill 2 is probably one of my favorite all-time games. Okay. It looks so bad right now. It's, so, <laughs> it's not a game that you can go back and be like, I'm going to play this again. It's like, oh, God, this is horrible. Right. Same for Silent Hill 1. Yeah. Um, the stories, though, the stories are are great. I prefer Silent Hill 2, the story of that one, mm-hmm. more than the first one. I played a little bit of 3, but I wasn't super into it. Yeah. Um, but the Silent Hill 2 story is another story that's a psychological in nature. Like you, you don't know what's going on. You're just, you're coming here and you learn things as you go and you meet these people that each have their own, like really fucked up story to tell you um, until like the culmination, you know, where you learn like the grand secret or whatever at the end, um, that type of 
horror, I like that. So that's why I really like Silent Hill. Yeah, and I think you know the other one of the other interesting things is Silent Hill. If, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's a over the shoulder perspective, correct? Like, yes, third person, like Resident Evil, and that's that to me is interesting. Like I, I mean, there's there's even that comes into play for horror games. Is like, do you play in first person mode where it's in your face, or it, you know, is oh. playing in third person mode take you out of it somewhat? I don't know. It's you know, I think I think in general there's been instances where it hasn't worked, but you know, the first Resident Evil did a great job of being scary in that third person mode. That was the one in the mansion, right? With right. the snake in the attic. Yeah, yeah, that's another one of my favorites. The, that was a great game. The F is really good. Man, when you the get out of that hall and those birds come through the window. <laughs> no, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> So, yeah, but there's a, I mean, I, I would argue like the original Half-Life has a lot of horror elements to it with you being trapped in a facility while aliens are coming from another dimension and to sit on mm-hmm. your face. Like there's, there's a lot of games that have, you know, do a good job of combining both action and horror or exploration and horror. But for pure horror, I think... I think there's a lot of good options right now. I definitely want to see the uh, Evil Within 2, like mm-hmm. the whole game. Uh, I want to play through Soma. And I know like Outlast 2 came out not too long ago as well. Yeah, I, yeah, it was... It was uh, I don't uh, know. I, so I didn't prefer it. Okay. The times that I've seen it, I did not prefer it. But Gotcha. Okay. I guess people, maybe some other people prefer that. I, I just like how Outlast... One and whistleblower connected. I feel like right. it really enrich- enriches the story of this horrible, disgusting game. But like, <laughs> it it still does. Like it adds to the story. It adds to the world. So it it makes it a little bit scarier. I think because it's more well fleshed out. And then this next um, Outlast Two is completely well. Yeah, no, it's completely different. And it came out around the time that Resident Evil Biohazard came out. Oh, okay. And both of them seemed, like, disgustingly similar. Like, not in a good way, mm. either. Mm. Okay. But Resident Evil, the while it started out a little kind of... Uh, I was a little touch and go. Like, the ending and, like, the culmination of the story was fucking fantastic. Oh, so, wow. Oh, oh, it was great. So they really did pull it together. I don't know if you've played or seen a little bit of it, but with Biohazard, it's another... It seems to start a little slow, but then it picks up, gets a little bit better. Well, I think if you are, if you already love a game, and that's what what's so hard to do is if you already love a game, you know, whatever it happens to be, and they they do a part two. Sometimes if they don't connect it back to that first game that you love so much, you kind of are disappointed. Yeah. Because you're left wanting more at the end of that first game, and then they go, oh, we have a part two of your favorite game coming out. And you're, okay, that's fantastic. I'm going to totally play it. And then you pick it up, and it's completely different story, completely something completely different, which it's fine if it was some other title. Right. But if it's that title, then it kind of disappoints you, which is, I think, the the same thing. I know I'm going off on a tangent now, but it's the same thing we had with the book we read, um, the zombie one, World War Z. Mm-hmm. World War Z, the book is amazing. It's so good. Like I want, I've read that book like four times. But then the movie came out, and it's a completely different movie, which again is fine. And if it had been like, you know, 
zombie land or you know war of the zombies or something it'd be great but they named it world war z which was the book so it disappointed me mm-hmm. that all the things i wanted from the book weren't in there and i think that happens a lot when they make a part two of a game that's not connected to part one somehow yeah i'd agree yeah i agree with that definitely whoever made the decision that that should be like the next outlast like the i don't i don't know what was it was it a dlc or was it another game whatever it was like that was a great decision yeah. to take a piece of the original story i really appreciate that whoever made that choice definitely understands like what you said people don't necessarily want something completely different they want to expand upon what they already like right so especially yeah. and i think it's only if they has the same name sometimes i do want something completely different but don't call it you know cookie monster and then you have like the mm-hmm. count on, the, on yeah. there the whole time like you know just make what you sure that against the just, count i'm just saying <laughs> cookie monster is the best but <laughs> even though i don't think that guy ever ate a cookie he he, he he doesn't eat cookies he destroys cookies yeah not anymore now he's like <laughs> salad monster i know or whatever. that's weird. oh my god yeah. is he really yeah like yeah. he he they felt that him eating all the cookies was leading to childhood obesity so he now only eats like one cookie, but he also mixes in some healthy food with the cookie. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, like, he can't even have Cookie Monster anymore. That's, That's so a sad. done thing. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Another game that back on the horror yeah. thing that I don't know if y'all have played the Dead Space series. Oh yeah, I have not. Those are pretty good, and I actually enjoy playing those. Yeah, like the the fighting style and the weapons. Um, I think it was only Dead Space 1 and Dead Space 2, right? Right. Well, there was a third one, but they changed the entire mechanics and basically tried to make it a much more of just an action game. And it like was really looked upon badly by the folks that uh, love the first two. Proves mm. mm. my point. Yeah. So, like, it, I guess, like, because in Dead Space, you're kind of playing like you're a miner or... Yeah, something on a space station. Yeah, engineer on a space station. So you have to like improvise a lot of your equipment and stuff, and try to work around this. You know, figure out what's going on. But in Dead Space Three, like you're playing the same dude, I I think. But you're like immediately given like a rocket launcher and shotguns, and it's like okay, it's is basically you know Doom or you know Quake whatever. So it just was silly. The whole Dead Space mechanic of like you have to you have to chop the limbs off of right. the mobs that you kill. It's kind of Resident Evil Lee. Yeah. In that you have to like desecrate the bodies of the mobs that you kill or they'll come back stronger. <laughs> like You have to pee on them? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean you can really stomp the shit out of them, yeah. that's for sure. Oh nice fun and particularly satisfying <laughs> it has kind of like soma has almost a little bit of a dead spacey feel oh, that's cool. that that kind of like where you don't know what's like it feels and em- they they do good to emulate space and even though soma isn't set in space it still like emulates that like emptiness mm-hmm. like there's nothing here there's no life here like but what's around the corner like type deal yeah those I like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I would agree. That's a 
it, you know, it's another aspect of that genre. Um, I've been playing through uh, Dark Souls three, and I would argue that Dark's the Dark Souls series has a lot of horror elements in it as well. I mean, pretty much every game is taking place at the end of the world, mm-hmm. and basically you're always going around ruins, and you're you find out what civilizations were like before you got to this point but really you're there to uh either end the world or start the world over which is the same thing as ending the world (laughs) and you know as you go through but it it does mix in jump scares and it has the scare of just being pretty tough at times and the fact that you can lose a lot of your progress if you die so that's that's more of a practical scare i guess yeah (laughs) Yeah. psychological but the world itself does you know it looms like everything's run down everything's breaking everything's dying so i think that's you know setting alone can cause uh you to feel it uh, you know you're in the horror space it's atmospheric. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Does a good job of putting you in the mindset of the character, like of what they're going through, just by like the surroundings and the way that the people are interacting or what's right. going on around you. I appreciate that. That's good. It's good world building. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. It, it, anything you can immerse yourself in like that is definitely good world building. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think uh, went through some of the good options out there so if you have a hankering to to scare yourself or pee in your pants pee your pants <laughs> you got some options so you know what i want to do tonight grail pee your pants i really want to pee my pants yeah, cool unless you pee your pants <laughs> exactly uh all right so moving on our other big story or at least somewhat big story because it hasn't actually progressed but it has come out that disney has been talking to 21st century fox about obtaining uh or or buying them and in so doing so would get a lot of uh the rights to characters uh that they currently have to work around especially when you look at the marvel cinematic universe Mm -hmm. the uh, fox owns x-men being the biggest property but they also own uh fantastic four and deadpool so, which is kind of in the X-Men universe, but nonetheless. Uh, so those are big properties that, you know, definitely is a gap in terms of what they're able to do on the screen. But going further into the story, they actually said that's that's kind of more like the cherry on top. The thing they're most interested in is the backlog of shows that they have. Yeah. Because Disney has already announced that they're going to be pulling their stuff off of Netflix in 2018 and want to start their own streaming service. And they want to basically seed the catalog with stuff that they own. And right now, what they own isn't a huge amount. It may be enough to get some people to subscribe, but if you brought in 21st Century Fox, now you're talking about a huge amount of shows mm-hmm. and, and stuff that they could put on there that uh, are already heavily watched on Netflix. And so what I want to talk about is one, what do you think, you know, is it good to have that much geekiness consolidated down to one company? And two, would you have any interest in a Disney streaming service? Um, well, I, I don't mind the geekiness because they do a good job. Mm-hmm. So I think they've done a pretty decent job at putting out the titles that they have. So that doesn't bother me as much as 
So the the streaming service, several places have tried to do this and um, failed. Amazon tried, and they, you know, they're they're doing okay on their um, Prime, mm-hmm. but a lot of their stuff is for free. They're not; it's part of their Prime service. And then um, who else did a comedy? Well, was it Comedy Central? Just to stop it. Yeah. I mean, free in that you do pay seventy-five to eighty bucks a year for the Prime service, right. and you get access to a number of things on there. But they also have the ability to rent or buy right. shows. on You can there. rent and yeah. buy shows on there and also. But the whole point of like Netflix is you have a steady fee. Right. You know what your fee is every month, and you can watch whatever's on there. Which okay, not everything is on Netflix. Um, but their original programming is, is fantastic. So I don't know if maybe Netflix is becoming more like a studio and studios are wanting to become more like Netflix. So they're kind of going to mix in the middle. I, I guess it would depend on the titles. I don't really... It's very rare when I go, oh my gosh, you know what I really want to watch? Buffy. Or I really want to watch Futurama or How I Met My Mother. Uh, um, most of those titles people have already watched. It's those... It's those shows that tend to be so good yet doesn't have enough view- viewers at the beginning and then get um, get basically cut. Those are the shows that I've I've been turned on to a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, those shows that have two, three seasons because those two, three seasons were fantastic, but it didn't have the viewership they wanted. So that's usually what I get turned turned on to watch when it comes to Netflix. I don't really go back and watch all my Buffy. And if I do, I mean, I have the DVDs, but, you know, still. Right. It's rare when, I'm, when I go, oh, my gosh. I know I love Buffy a ton. I have the entire, all the seasons on DVD. So I really liked it, but it's not something I go back and watch. Right. Okay. I think it's it's weird to, like, even be talking about this. To say, like, something could possibly be, like, a Netflix killer. Like, or, like, possibly, like, dent Netflix's right. catalog. That is a crazy thing that I would not, I guess because I saw like the rise of Netflix and how just like they are like a gigantic behemoth in terms of like their streaming service. And now the, the productions that they do. Right. Um, to think that like, I mean, Disney's massive already and there's a lot of things on Netflix that are Disney and to even imagine them acquiring Fox products like that's a that's in my opinion that would be a huge dent to the netflix catalog like i mean it seems like a lot of shows that they would it would be success like a successful that would be successful in their goal in disney's goal (laughs) in acquiring fox well i think it would definitely be in my opinion i think it would definitely be successful in denting netflix's catalog and possibly their viewership, but I don't know if just those movies alone are going to make me want to switch to a different um, provider. And remember, a lot of people have gotten rid of their cable because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm paying all this money for things I don't watch. So they've kind of reduced what they want to watch to something that's tailored for them. Are they really going to want to pay two fees? Are they going to want to do Disney and Netflix? Probably not. Is Disney going to be in? Is Disney's catalog going to be enough to sway everyone to leave Netflix? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I know that's going to be crazy. I I feel like I would want to do two. I mean, it's it's always crazy to me that 
thing it's not when you hear the name disney or something you think about like snow white right. or mm-hmm. the little mermaid but their umbrella it it's the umbrella yes. like there are so many companies and studios underneath and it's the same for fox like i think when we're talking about this we're kind of underestimating the amount that's under the fox umbrella because they're that's they're a mass they're just as big as disney right it's oh, massive yeah. so like it's I think it's probably more shows and content than we we think. That's yeah. where I go. And I mean, if they pulled off a ton, it would be I think it it really would come down to oh, I'm checking, you know, I'm checking Netflix to see if this movie's here. Oh, it's not. Well, let me check Disney really quick to see or whatever it's going to be called mm-hmm. right. to see if they have it there. I think that it's going to become something like that. Because they're going to be they're going to be both of them are going to have massive catalogs and it's just kind of some will have one thing and others will have another. And it's, I mean, I guess some people would not want to pay two fees. I mean, that point aside, like if you, you're just really looking for something to watch, I mean, when I'm trying to find something, I'll check everything to see if I can stream it first before I rent it. Sure. That's for sure. So this is just going to be another thing to, to check like another Netflix sized catalog to check before I pay to rent. Right. Well, essentially. If you're already paying for it. Well Yeah. So I, yeah, I guess it depends on what they're But you might then check like. you might check online to see if they have it before and then decide to subscribe. So I mean I think, you know, again, money aside, I guess my my worry for it is that the thing that would compel me, one of the biggest things that would compel me is if Disney does this, puts up their streaming service, and then says, oh, by the way, remember Daredevil and Luke Cage and all that shows? Yeah, we're going to have those shows now as well, because we're taking those off of Netflix's plate. And, oh, we're also, like, all of our Marvel tie-in stuff, we're not going to put it on ABC any longer. Those are going to become original content on our streaming service. You know, um, and I don't put it fucking past them. Yeah, yeah no kidding. That's, sure. That to me is the only worrisome piece because, yeah, if they just pulled the movies and old TV shows, that doesn't really affect me. I, I'm more interested now in Netflix for their original content and a couple shows that I, I, that I don't even watch real time. I just watch whenever the season finally gets to Netflix. Um, so, and if I lost those, I really wouldn't be a big deal. But the, you know, Netflix made a smart move of pivoting into original content, much like HBO. Like I have HBO Go, and it's not for the movies; it's for the series that they they put on their original content. Um, so really, it, Disney would have to come out with original content that's compelling for me to watch because having access to the Avengers and Thor. You know, I usually will buy those on Blu-ray anyways, so mm-hmm. it's not a big deal to me. But if they start pulling original content of theirs from Netflix, from ABC, from wherever, and obviously make it good, uh, then suddenly maybe another monthly fee is worth it. Yeah, I mean, with how Disney reacts right now to their property being just a YouTube for the best example. Like right. people don't post playthroughs of Mario Odyssey or excuse me. I'm <laughs> like, Oh my God, I don't, I'm thinking of something else too. People don't post like 
people don't post Disney stuff right. because they immediately remove it. Yeah. And just as what I was going to say is just as Nintendo right. does with their properties, like that copyright strike, um, happy finger. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they love to do that shit. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'd have the same thing. So, and that's on the streaming side. I think there's also, to me, though, a big question of if Disney got a hold of the X-Men universe, of Deadpool, of uh, Fantastic Four, which, granted, Fantastic they Four can definitely do something with Fantastic Four because nothing has been done up to this point that's worth mentioning. But, like, you know, Disney definitely has a certain tone that they've carried out through their Marvel movies. And, like nothing has come close to Deadpool <laughs> in terms of right. a tone. So would they would they allow it? And and does the fact that a different company that has to compete with Disney, you know, does it force them to come up with things that, uh, you know, that's why we got a movie like that is because they're, they need to think outside the box to compete with Disney, whereas Disney would create almost like the apple of... Marvel Cinema, where everything is in its nice contained environment. We you know, we talked about this a little bit in class, kind of almost immediately after you had sent the link to the, oh, the nice. article on this. That's funny. Uh, I know it's crazy, but one of the things that the people said is they were worried that when Disney acquires stuff, like, if they acquire stuff like that, that they would manipulate and change the tone of things right. and mm-hmm. and kind of dull it down. So it's funny that you mention it because that like coming from other people, that was a, a really strong point that a lot of people brought up as being afraid that they were going to Disneyfy, uh, you know, like princeify yeah. all the movies. And I mean, they, they may not. I think the fact that they were able to take the Star Wars license and but still give us a movie like Rogue One, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that which is very different than any Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, you know, it shows that they have a willingness to, but it does put at least a fear there that, you know, the the lack of competition makes it a little worrisome uh, that they could then, you know, you just like who knows what you're going to miss out then on if you don't have it residing with a different company. Yeah, but true. At the same time, you know, you do get X-Men versus Avengers then at that point, which Makes is so. pretty cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I guess yeah, it's a trade-off. True. I mean, I would totally be down for Deadpool appearing in the Spider-Man movie, the new Spider-Man movie. Exactly. So that would be pretty oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of lot of upside to it as well. Uh, having it all there, having it all contained, and the ability to really move the properties around uh, between each other is exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I wish, uh, you know, I'd rather see Disney forge a deal like they did with Sony to get Spider-Man, do something like that with Fox yeah. to get for the X-Men. Because uh, that also then would alleviate some of the streaming concerns as well. But it's, you know, I, I think... Uh, I think it's definitely the way the the world's going. Uh, obviously, right now, this is the type of stuff that sells. Uh, Thor just came out. We have Justice League in two weeks. Superheroes are everywhere. Are so in right now. So in. You know, though, like, here's so. the thing. We've been talking about this forever. Superheroes have been in forever, and I keep saying, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get superheroed out because at some point, there's too many superheroes. Yeah. Like, at some point, there's got to be where I'm just like, I'm done with the superheroes. 
Well, I mean, none of us, unless Vindy, correct me if I'm wrong, have rushed out to see Thor yet. No, no and I'm not. actually no. kind of disappointed in myself because I was, I, and I told Ethan about it, the trailer for Thor that they released, like that really 80s vibe trailer yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, I, I was really into that. Yeah. So I was like, I re- and then plus the female Helia, yeah. I think it yeah. is. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's funny because remember how I, I said during conversation that the, the new bad guys in Supernatural, I know their names because of the bad guys in Diablo. Yeah, right. that's right. The bad guys in Thor, I know their names because of World of Warcraft. Right. So that's <laughs> funny. But um, I was really interested in that character arc and her character. I don't yeah, I, it just seemed cool. So no, I'm disappointed it, that I haven't. Yeah, and apparently, Me too, like, and it was supposed to be. I it's mean, supposed to be really, really good. good. And apparently, like, Sif is really good in it as well. I love her. And some rock monster dude is supposed to be awesome. Instead, we're gonna go spend our money seeing the room. Yeah, so. yeah, good times. Good times. <laughs> it's not superheroes. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, and it's a movie. I definitely want to go see it, and I think I want to see Thor. More than I want to see Justice League. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I do. Though I do, I guess, want to see... I don't know. I mean, honestly, for me, I'm just... Other than The Room, obviously, I'm most excited for Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm kind of like jonesing for, for something a little different. Because like you said, I mean, there's been a lot of superhero movies. And TV shows. And TV so shows. Like we haven't wa- everywhere. And we haven't watched anything other than, oh God, The Defenders. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I caught up on Supergirl because you don't watch it. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I mean, I would say like, but like they came out with the Inhumans has like seven episodes out there. Gifted came out. Um, So, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff on TV right now that I haven't even, you know, Flash and Arrow restarted. So, yeah, it's it's a a lot like superheroing is a full time job now. It is. It's rough. (laughs) Uh, So. There you go. Uh, something to keep an eye on. Like like I said at the beginning, there's been no announcements. Tops talks has stopped. However, the fact that they're talking about it, you know, is definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy craziness. But All right, we'll see where it goes. Well, we have burned up uh, roughly fifty minutes of your time. That so you're never getting back. That you're never getting back. <laughs> fact we're going to take a couple more minutes because we're going to talk about the fact you can find us on the web at www.alphageekradio.com check it out for all your listening and viewing pleasures we have podcasts live streams and video streams on there across many different topics you can check us out on facebook casually hardcore you can check us out on Twitter, Vindy underscore Daxa CH and Grail CH are our Twitter handles. Uh, I think that's pretty much it, unless you guys have any parting thoughts that you want to give our listenership. No, I'm out. <laughs> yep, we're good. All right. <laughs> Getting. So I have been Grail. I'm Vindy. And I've been Daxa. And we are. Out of here. Title and background music for this production provided courtesy of Sean Beeson, composer for media. Find him on the web at www.seanbeeson.com. That's S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N.com.